Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Okay, I've got a, a, probably a strange request, but I'm, I'm going to ask today that we just listen in silence. Nobody claps, nobody says amen, nobody says anything, and you just listen. If you do say something or say amen or clap, you're just, it's, you're just gonna show yourself, uh, you're just gonna show yourself. Probably one of the most important messages that I have ever shared, and I want to make sure that there's not one distraction in this room to keep anyone from hearing what I think the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Most of the time, and you know, this is bound to be instruction from the Lord because most of the time I'm saying, y'all with me? Come on, man, talk to me. But not today. Not today. Um, I probably won't go as far as if you start, you know, amen and then talking to me and clapping i probably won't go as far as to have the ushers to get you out but i may walk over until you say would you just be quiet and do what i ask you to do okay i don't know we'll find out now some of you are saying maybe like what in the world i need you to hear i need you to hear this message we have been talking about some heavy things lately shouldn't be heavy but they are heavy because our country and our world is going further and further and further away from God the further we drift and the further we go away from him the more the wild beast spiritual wild beast begin to move in and begin to take over territories. I heard a missionary talking once about an area that they were in and they were talking about when they would build the fire in in the community where they were at in the uh, among the huts and the places where they were they would build a fire because at night because there were so many wild animals out that would want to try to come in and when they would come in they would even they would take children they would take livestock they would take anything they could get lions or bears or whatever and so they would build a fire and that fire as long as that fire was 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 big and 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 raging they didn't have to worry about it but when the fire began to wane suddenly the wild beast would begin to come in and move closer and closer and closer. When the fire of the gospel and the Holy Spirit in the church begins to wane, the wild beast begin to move in. And we're watching at an alarming rate the wild beast moving in in so many different areas of our country. 
Now, there are those who would say, but those are not wild beasts. This is just people beginning to truly find their freedom and to find themselves. Jesus says the truth will set you free, but the truth will set you free from sin, not to sin. Does that make sense? So he is, we get this picture of this raging fire of which we have seen in this country that actually have prevented the kind of fires that we have seen of late. But the wild beasts are moving in. Wild beasts meaning the demons that are behind the false doctrines and the doctrines of demons and the teaching and the things that Paul, the apostle Paul warned Timothy about and warned the church about that in the last days, these things are going to happen at an alarming rate. The escalation is going to come at such a rate that it'll boggle your mind. Even to the point that most believers true believers will finally say, whoa. Most of the time, evil slips in and moves in at such a rate, kind of like cooking, you've heard people talk about how you cook a frog, you put it in a cold pan and you turn the stove on low and it heats up so slow that the frog doesn't even know that it's being cooked. And, and in our country, that has been the way it has been for so many years is that we have cooked so slowly that we didn't even know we were cooking. But the enemy now is showing his hand in ways that we have never seen it before at an alarming rate. If you don't see this, then I pray that your eyes will be opened. Somebody may come and say, but I didn't know I was coming for a political talk. If you think that it's a political talk, you don't know where I'm coming from. This has nothing to do with politics. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm not going to allow the world to change my terminology. The terminology. We've got to understand that evil is evil. And the scripture says that in the, in the last days, and even, even before, but there would be the time when evil is going to be called good and good is going to be called evil. What I'm doing today in sharing what I've done over the last two weeks is considered evil by the world. What the world does in just opening wide open for anything goes, that's good according to the world. God is love and he defines love. He is love. He gets to define love. And just because the world changes the definition of love does not mean that that is the real definition of love. Look at the life of Jesus and you see the definition of love. And if you look at the life of Jesus, there are gonna be some moments where you're gonna say, mm, that didn't seem very loving. Then you're going to say, oh, that must be the definition of love. That must be a part of love. Saying no sometimes must, be, must mean that that 
is a part of love. Why? Because he is love. Does that make sense? I'm going to read, I'm going to read a passage of scripture that sets the tone for, for what I want to say today. I believe that we are at a point to where we have to decide who Jesus is in our life. Did I add Jesus to all of my other idols or is he really my Savior, my God, my Lord? We're studying in in, um, men's Bible study the seven churches of the book of Revelation, chapters two and three. This past Sunday, or this past Wednesday night, we studied the church of Pergamum. The church of Pergamum was a church that Jesus had some some good things to say about, like all. He had some, some instructions and some negative things. But if you understand that the people of Pergamum, this was a great city. In this city, there were temples to various gods, to Zeus, to Athena, to to many gods. And even emperor worship was a part of, of what they did. Many Christians lost their life or their lives in these kinds of situations in the in Pergamum, in Ephesus, under the persecution of Caesar and Domitian and other emperors because they refused to worship the emperor. To be able to get into the marketplace, as you begin to go in, you would have to offer incense to Domitian, to Caesar, to whomever, and an offering of worship, of incense. If you refuse to do that, means you didn't get to go in, and if you didn't get to go in, it meant that you didn't get to sell there, or you didn't get to buy there. So many of the Christians were faced for a really, really difficult situation. We can offer the incense to the emperor, and know in our heart that we really don't worship him, But we can still eat and we can still sell and everything will be okay or we stay true to Jesus. We can go through the motions of worshiping these other idols knowing in our heart that we're really true to Jesus just to save our lives or we die for our faith. Anybody tracking with me? I know this is heavy. I know this is not the kind where we're saying, oh, yes. But this message has been heavy on my heart. Have you really chosen Jesus or did you just add Jesus to all the other idols and all the other gods and all the other things? We don't have temples. You're not going to walk out the door and find a temple to Zeus. You're not going to walk out the door and find a temple uh, to Athena or to Diana or or, um, any of the other. You're not going to find that. But if we find the worship of the idol, 
There's no difference. We don't have to have a temple. We can just love money. We can just love sexual immorality. We can just love sorcery. We don't have to have a temple to say that we're worshiping at it. We just, we just, just do it. There's no difference. And I wonder, and I wonder, and this is, this has been my struggle this week in some ways is, if we were in Pergamum, would we be the ones staying true to the name of Jesus or would we be the ones going in and out offering the sacrifices, hanging out, and with, with all the other idol worshipers, eating the meat offered to idols, and just saying, Jesus knows my heart. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples who who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But who, what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This was a revelation from God to Peter. Peter, you're not smart enough to figure that out on your own right now. My father gave that to you. Jesus said, who do people say that I am? He's not, he's not saying, hey guys, look at my Instagram page and tell me how, how, you know, how, many, how many followers do I have? I, I just want to make sure I've got a lot. No, no, that wasn't his concern. Jesus is not making this statement and putting it out there for Facebook to see how many people's going to like it. That's not what he's trying to do. What Jesus is saying here is I want to know who people say that I am because their eternity is based upon it. Their very eternity is based upon who they say that I am. And so we look. Look at our day. Look at our time. Who do you say Jesus is? For most of us here, most of us would say, yeah, I love Jesus. Do we love Jesus and all the other things or do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus in sexual immorality? Do we love Jesus in sorcery? Do we love Jesus in the world or, we do or do we love Jesus? Is this making sense? Who is Jesus? The Muslims say that he's a good teacher. He was a prophet. That surprises some of you. Baha'i faith says he was a good teacher. Hindus say, good teacher. Buddhists say, good teacher. 
You can go down through all the, all the major religions and, say, and every one of them, none of them are going to say, well, he didn't live. None of them are going to say, well, he was not, you know, he, he, he didn't even exist. Every one of them are going to say, yes, he did, and he was a good teacher. That's what they say. New Age Movement. Yeah, he's a good teacher. We especially like that love stuff that he says. Progressive Christianity, which is not Christianity at all, says... He's a good teacher, and, and we in the parts that we like, we like, and the parts we don't, we just reject. But we have to decide. Believing that Jesus is a good teacher, what does that what what, what does that do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Jesus makes claims. John 14, 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way, Thomas. I am the truth. I am the life. Not a way, not a truth, not a life. I'm not the way for now. Perpetually, I am. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you see how small, how, how exclusive things are getting in the mind of Jesus? And we get condemned for that in this world for being, you know, for being exclusive, but that's what Jesus did here. No one comes to the Father. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. Why? From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. How do we know him and have seen him? Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus answered, do you not know, Philip, even after all this time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you know his claims like that's what got Jesus put on a cross? Anybody tracking with me? Don't, don't, don't answer, just, it's got to be silent. It's claims like that that put Jesus on the cross. See, I, I think Satan has shown his hand over the centuries and we've missed it. He's shown his hand because his entire attack has been on Christianity and on Jesus. It's not been on any other religion. As a matter of fact, he seems pretty fine for every other religion to do and say anything they want to do, but Christianity is the problem. If you ask some in this country, some that are running this country, they will tell you the worst, the, the only problem with this country are those Christians, especially those fundamental Christians that believe the Bible. We have to decide, or is Jesus, is our Jesus going to be just that good guy? As a matter of fact, if you look at his claims, you have to really say either he was, he was insane, he was a crazy person, or he is the son of God. I, 
I don't see how you could say he was a good teacher. The Jews believed that he was a prophet or, or a rabbi. But how do you come to the place to say, you know, he's, he, he's a, he's a, he, was a good, he was a good guy when he said, I fulfill. Do you know why he was crucified? Because his claims to be the Messiah, his, plain, his claims to be the Son of God, God incarnate in human flesh, his claims to have fulfilled the law. That's why he was put on the cross. See, what I'm telling you is it's either him or none. We have to come to the point to where this, this, this progressive way of thinking Christianity in this country that says, well, you don't have to believe in a resurrection. We don't really believe there was a resurrection. And you don't have to believe in the virgin birth. And you don't have to believe in, 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 in you don't have to believe. And then all of a sudden there's nothing left. Paul said, without the resurrection, there is no hope. It's either Jesus or it's nothing. It's either Jesus or nothing. I'm not going to go into all this. I don't have time for this. The enemy is constantly attacking the word of God. That's the fire that's waning. You've got two things going on. You've got Christians who believe the word but never read it. And then you've got the enemy attacking the word of God for those people that are starting to wonder. And so our kids get to, uh, get to uh, college and, and you have some of these professors that are, are, are teaching them that there is no God and the Bible is not trustworthy. And so therefore you have conversations that say, well, but, but, but the Bible is just, you know, it's a book written by a bunch of old men, just an old book. But here's the, here's the thing, if you, if you dig, if you want to find out, you can find this out. The world is not going to tell you this. But there is no other book of antiquity, there is no other book that has what the Bible has. There's no other book that has the manuscript evidence that this book has. Nothing is even close. Not even close. But you're not going to hear that. There's a process of textual criticism, all that is, and, that, and that's fantastic. Thank you, go through it. I'm not afraid for you to go through it because I know what's coming out on the other end. It's the Word of God. There's no other book that has the accuracy that this book has, even among unbelievers, honest unbelievers. And believers, 95.5% accuracy in everything that is written in here, and there's nothing else anywhere that comes close. And what I'm talking about, I'm talking about geographical accuracy. When you read of the places in the Bible, they're real places. When you read in the places of some other holy books, where is Middle Earth? Where is all, all these places that can't be shown, can't be proven, are not real places? Scripture, real places. And one of the things that God has done to unveil and show that these things are real, and many of the things you see is archaeology. And archaeology has come, come uh, been uncovering things for a long time, but now 
It is so rapid. So as the enemy is trying to heat up and he is working so fast, over here on the other side is the same thing. And archaeology is saying, oh, wow. Okay, well, we have to change our mind about that. Even scientists that are, that are honest scientists will say there has to be a designer. And then go into a discussion on cause and uncause and cause. Well, there has to be a cause for everything. Nothing, something cannot come from nothing. It's impossible. And even scientists now are saying, well, nothing can, it, it, it's got, there's got to be a cause. What is the cause? Well, there has, to be a divine, there has to be a designer. If there's a designer, he's a divine designer. Okay? Now scientists are giving you that. So what are we going to do? We figure out who the divine designer is. Right? And we dig in. And when you do that, you find out that our God is the divine designer and nothing else comes close in teaching us and telling us who he is. Nothing. We have to decide. And I'm afraid that many of us have just, but I did decide. Did you really? Did you decide to add Jesus to all the other things that you love to do in your life? And when I say love to do, God has given us and blessed us with so many things. But I'm saying, have we added Jesus to our sin and just said, oh, thank you, Lord, that through your grace I'm forgiven. That means I can go out and just do anything I want to do. That's not love. not love the believers in Pergamum had to make a decision if it cost me my life I will stay true to him if it costs me food I will not worship another god I will not bow to another idol I will not give myself to the things that idols represent. If it costs me my family, I will not bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we will not bow. We will burn before we will bow. We've got to have revival in this land. We have to. The only thing that stops the spiritual onslaught that we see is spiritual. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Paul told the Corinthians, I think 2 Corinthians 9, 10, right in there. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are strongholds being erected in our country. Should we vote? Yes. And should we vote correctly? Yes. You say, but are you the one to tell us what correct is? No, Scripture is. Just read the Bible. That's all you got to do. 
Yeah, but my daddy was, I don't care what your daddy was, read the scripture. Talking about revival. But that alone is not going to do what needs to be done in this country, in this world. What needs to be done is that we fall on the face, on our faces before God, first of all, in hearts of repentance to say, oh God, forgive us. Lord, we repent and we turn away. Let me give you an idea of repentance. I have been pre-diabetic for several years. And only up a few months ago, through my blood test, my doctor said, um, we've got to put you on medicine. You're, you're diabetic. Uh, we've got to put you on some medicine. I said, no, not yet. Give me a little bit of time. Let me do something about this before I go on more drugs. And so I had to change my mind about sugar. Sugar is poison. Literally, sugar is poison. It's killing us. But I was fine with sugar until it started messing up my life. But once it started messing my life up, then I had to make some decisions about sugar. Now, I could have said, Doc, let's do this. Give me the medicine so I can keep eating my sugar, but give me the medicine to take care of it. So I'm just going to eat all the sugar I want. I'll just keep shooting myself up with insulin. That's not repentance. And I'm afraid what we do is say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Now I'm just going to keep on sinning. And I'll just get me a little shot of forgiveness every now and then. But I'm just going to keep on sinning. Sin is what took Jesus to the cross. Sin took Jesus to the cross. It's not a game. Sin's not anything to take lightly. I'm so thankful for grace because when, just think about it like this, I'm not going to use insulin to, so I can keep on doing something, but the beautiful thing is, is when, when, if I needed it, if, if, I, if I just messed up and, and ate a Twinkie, <coughs> temptation got me so bad that I just, I just did it. Thank God for something to help me. But I shouldn't just go around eating Twinkies knowing that I've got insulin. We shouldn't just go around sinning because we know we're forgiven. There's no difference in the church in the world today. Just honestly speaking. There's no difference. Except for we offer a little incense of worship to the Lord on Sunday. Jesus came into this world because we were a mess. 
because sin ran rampant. And he came to do what only he could do, pay the price for us, and it had to be paid in the body. So Jesus came from heaven into this world, wrapped himself up in a human body because he had to die in a human body because we live in a human body. So he came into this world. He lived a sinless life, not once ever sinning, never. And yet, he went to the cross for us. He stood before Pilate, and Pilate asking him who he is, and Jesus said, are you the Messiah? Are you the Son of God? Are you the one from God? And Jesus said, I am. Not only am I the Son of God, I am that I am. They took him to crucify him. As they got down, there's a, there's a, a whip thing that they use. They call it a cat of nine tails that have pieces of bone and metal and things tied to the end of it. Many of them, many people had been lashed with that before, but Jesus got the extra because the demons that inhabited the very beings of the people who took him tied him to a post and began to whip him until his, his flesh, read Psalm 22, a prophecy of what was to come. His flesh was literally ripped from his body until he could look and see his own bones. And you might say, bud, but others did. Others did it because they paid for their own sins. Others did it because they murdered. Others did it because they robbed people. Jesus didn't sin. He was doing it to pay for your sin and my sin. The Jews... Law would not allow them to beat somebody more than 40 times. And so the Pharisees and the Jewish people would stop at 39 so that they would not miss. They didn't want to break the law just in case they miscounted. The Romans had no such law. And the Romans were the ones beating him. They didn't have to stop at 39. They didn't have to stop at 49. And they beat him until he was close to dead. Put a crown of horn or crown of thorns on on his head in mockery. <coughs> Took the reed hit him on the head driving the crown of thorns into his head until blood is flowing until he looks like a side of beef hanging in the air. And why did he do it? He did it because sin is bad. He did it because you were a sinner and I was a sinner. He did it because there is no life that comes without him. Sin had to be dealt with. 
And the law proved that man could not deal with it by keeping laws. It had to be dealt with. It had to be paid for. And Jesus paid it. He paid it on the cross. He hung on that cross. And I, I, I don't want to just go through the details of the cross, but I think sometimes we forget that we think that it, well, because he did that on the cross, now I can be a believer and do anything I want to do. How could we watch? How could we watch someone go through that and think, oh, good, now I can just keep on sinning? I'm not telling you that there's a place that you can get to in this world where you will be sinlessly perfect. There's not. But I will tell you, and I think you will agree, that for the love of Jesus and what he went through for us, there may need to be some major repenting going on. And I think sometimes the very first thing we need to repent of is pride that keeps us from repenting. Can you repent from where you are right there? I got a text from a friend of mine this week that said, Bud, thank you. This so-and-so, this thing spoke to me and and I didn't, I didn't uh, come to the front, but I repented where I was at and I'm not turning back. Can that be? Yes. But there's some of you that need to make the journey and you just need to get, just put your face right here and just, Lord, I've been straddling the fence. I've been just adding you to all the other stuff. But today, I know we have Jesus on the cross. I left him there purposely just for a minute because we're going to resurrect him next week. But the cross had to happen. And he did it for you. And he did it for me. And if this book is true, and it is, and if the teaching of Jesus is true, and it is, then we have a decision to make. And you may say, Bud, what if you're wrong? Well, okay, let me give you this. What if I'm wrong? If I'm wrong, Christians for 2,000 years are wrong multitudes, billions of Christians for 2,000 years, we're all wrong. But let me give you this. If we're wrong, if this book, if, 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 if the scriptures and, and the manuscripts and all the stuff that's found on the geography and the science and everything that goes with all of this and the archaeology that's proven stuff every day, if all of that is just a farce, number one, it's a pretty cool one. 
Number two, it's made me a better person. Even if I'm wrong, it's made me a better person. Even if I'm wrong, it's made me a better husband. Even if I'm wrong, it's made me a better dad. Even if I'm wrong, it's made me a better friend. But if you're wrong, eternity's at stake. Eternity is at stake. I'm just gonna be honest with you. Not that I'm just now starting to be honest. I've struggled this week in getting ready for here. Because I am, I am jealous for you, Harvest. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. And like Paul said that he was jealous because God had given, he wanted to present the Corinthian people to the Father as a pure bride. That's my heart's desire. You can't get right on your own. You can't be forgiven on your own. You can't stop sinning on your own. You've got to have Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. But it needs to keep on going with Jesus. Jesus told the Ephesian church, I've only got one thing against you. You've left your first love. Man, you're doing a bang-up job on, on all the other things. You're, saying, you're staying true to the Word. You're, 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 you're standing strong in the middle of persecution. You're doing some awesome things, but I've got one thing against you. You've left your first love. But that's where the path starts, to a downward spiral. Until I look into the face of people that I've sat with in church. who say they don't believe anymore. And they say they don't believe anymore because they got educated. No, if you get educated, it's gonna make you believe more. You got suckered. You got lied to, you got scammed, you got hacked. I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do right now other than I just want, I'm just going to go over here in the corner. We must have revival in this land. We must have true revival in this land. We must have an awakening in America. And it starts with each of us repenting and then praying, God, send your spirit, move upon this land. Jesus, I don't know what to do right now. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna walk away. Holy Spirit, just do what you do. Just do what you do. in the hearts of those who will let you do it. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.